All right, so tonight we are in week three of our uh, series, The Blessed Life. All right, and this, is, um, this whole series has really been about us talking through all of these incredible blessings that God gives us when we belong to him. All right, when we have a relationship with Christ, it's, it's way more than just about forgiveness of sins, as incredible as that is. Um, and I think sometimes we, we don't really fully understand all of these blessings that we have at our disposal when we give our hearts and, and our lives to Jesus. And so that's what this series has been about. The first couple of weeks, we talked about the first two gifts uh, or blessings that God gives us, all right? The first week, we talked about our new identity. And then uh, two weeks ago, Zach talked about our freedom in Christ. And so first week, we talked about our identity, that we now have a new, we are new people in Christ. That because of who God is, God no longer looks at us as failures, as sinners, as losers. As he doesn't look at our sin. He now looks at us as saints of God. He now looks at us and he sees perfection. He sees Jesus. And then last, uh, two weeks ago, Zach talked about how that's all possible. It's not anything we did on our own. It's not something that we made happen. It's something that only happened because of the cross. That because of the cross and the freedom that God offered us... He now gives us this new identity in him. And so the truth is we could stop right there and kind of pack up and go home and finish up the series. And it would be incredible. And it would be challenging and inspiring for all of us. But, uh, but we're not done yet. And so tonight we're going to talk about the third blessing that God gives us as, um, as followers of him. So this whole series, we're in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you guys have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and open up to Ephesians 1. And uh, while you're flipping there, I want you guys to go ahead and check out the screen and, uh, and watch this video. All right, so that'll give you a little taste of where we're going tonight. Uh, that video asked some really interesting questions. And um, my hope is that we'll be able to answer those questions in the next few minutes and as we break off into groups in just a, uh, just a little bit. And so um, let's go ahead and dive in tonight, uh, starting in verse 9 of Ephesians chapter 1. And here's what Paul says. He says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. All right, so let's stop there for just a minute. So Paul starts and he says that God has a plan. All right, God has a plan for the world. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. God has a plan in place that was established before the beginning of time. All right, this is a plan that he established, that he set up, that he put in place long before you and I were even in existence. And Paul uses the, the term mysterious. This, is a, this plan that God has is a mysterious plan. 
And when you think about the world, all right, this, this plan is, is a plan that doesn't really a lot of times make a lot of sense to those in the world. All right, a lot of people in the world, and maybe even some of you guys in the room tonight, look at the world, and you look at the brokenness, and you look at the sin, and people look at all of the, the chaos and, and all, the world just spiraling out of control at times, and goes, where is God's plan? What is God, God, what are you doing here? Why is there so much hurt? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much brokenness in the world? And throw that question out there, God, what are you up to? What is this plan? God, I, I want to make sense of this. I'm trying to figure this out, but it makes no sense to me. And maybe you guys have heard this. Maybe you have even asked yourself this question. Man, if there is such a loving God out there, then why is there so much hurt and so much pain in, the, in this world? That is a question that our world is asking. It is a the, the mystery involved in that a lot of times causes people in the world to look and go, I can't figure this thing out. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians talks a little bit about this. And here's what he says. And you don't have to flip there. I'm going to read it and it's on the screen. He says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1 verse 18, he says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for, dis- for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks or to the Gentiles who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say that it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So what Paul is saying here, and it, and it kind of reflects back on Ephesians chapter 1, is this plan that God has set up doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Because the world wants signs. They want answers to their question. They seek out human wisdom and understanding and try to analyze things from a logical standpoint. And they look at the world or they look at what is happening all around them. And they go, this makes no sense. And the only conclusion that I can draw from this is that there must not be a God because there is so much pain. There is so much sin. There is so much hurt. And I can't wrap my mind around how there could be a God who loves and yet there could be brokenness in the world. Now, you guys may have talked to people in your school or know people in your family or you yourself who sit in this room tonight going, I have tried to analyze this. I have tried to figure this thing out. And I've tried to look at this and understand it, and it makes no sense to me. I've tried to make sense from a human standpoint. I've looked for signs and understanding and all that, and it just makes no sense. And I think there are a lot of us, maybe that at one time or another have felt that way, or you know people in the world that feel that way. 
And Paul says this plan is mysterious. This, this is a plan that the world looks at and goes, this makes no sense. But see, whereas the world sits here and goes, you know what, there's no hope, there's no answer, there is no God. We stand on the other side of that and we go, man, the cross is the answer. The cross is God's answer to sin. The cross is God's plan to why there is so much sin and why there is so much brokenness in the world. And maybe some of us or some people in the world look on one side and they go, man, God, you're doing nothing about all of this. Maybe in your own life, you're looking, you're going, God, you're doing nothing about all of this sin, all of this pain in my life. And we draw the conclusion that God is doing nothing when in fact, from this side of the, of the equation, we look at it and we go, man, God did something extravagant. God did something unbelievable. God did the thing that, that makes the most sense when you look at it in that God didn't do nothing. Rather, he sent his son to die and to be the answer. That part of this plan for the world and how chaotic it may seem is not for God just to go, all right, I'm going to take all the, the sin and the pain right away and just remove it. But rather God goes, you know what? I hurt for the people that hurt. I look at this world and, and the brokenness and my heart aches for this. And so I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to do something unbelievable. And I'm going to send my son, my flesh. I'm going to send God himself stepped out of heaven and he paid the penalty for our sins. God offered you and me and everybody in the world who would, who would turn to him the freedom from sin. That we no longer do have to live this life in pain and sin and brokenness. That we can experience freedom from that. That that is part of God's plan is the cross. And the world kind of looks at that from a human standpoint and, and trying to think logically and goes, ah, that makes no sense. It would make more sense to me if God would do this. And God looks at that and he goes, man, with all due respect, who are you? Who are you to tell me in your limited human wisdom what I, the God of, the cre- of, of, the, of all of creation, should do? Because your wisdom, as incredible as you may think it is, is foolishness in compared to my wisdom. And we look at all of the hurt and all of the pain and God says, you know what, one day, As part of my plan, the world will no longer have pain. The world one day will no longer have sin. There will one day no longer be brokenness, no longer be hurt. Part of my plan involves bringing complete eradication from all of the sin, but not yet. My answer now is to send my son in the flesh to die for everybody who would turn to them so that they could experience freedom in this life from sin. And one day, all of the sin and all the pain will be gone. Everything, as, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, everything will be brought under the authority of Christ. That's part of God's plan. And even though we may look at it, or people in the world may look at it and go, ah, it makes no sense, that's mysterious, that's part of God's plan, and it's perfect. And who are we to question God, what he's doing? Let's continue in verse, uh, verse 11. He says, furthermore, because you or we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. 
Sounds a little bit like that song we sang a little bit earlier. He makes everything work out according to his plan. Now, this is where we get to this third blessing we're talking about tonight. And if you've got, got a pen, got your notes in front of you, the third blessing is an inheritance. All right? If you can't spell that, we bailed you out. It's on the screen. We are given an inheritance. All right? That's the third blessing that we've received. Now, you guys are all smart people. You're high schoolers. You know what an inheritance is. But an, an inheritance is money or property or some kind of a possession that's passed from one person to another. All right? Now, it can, it can be passed from one, one person to another based on uh, family or heritage or just because somebody chooses to do so. Now, I don't know what you guys think about when you think of, of inheritance, but maybe um, there's a commercial that, um, that uh, has, has been on TV for the last year or something or whatever that, that immediately when I, when I started reading this passage and thought about inheritance, this is what I thought of. And so maybe you guys kind of resonate with this, but check out the screen and watch this, this video. I also want my private jet, my island in the Maldives, and full control of the family business to my soulmate, Asia. Finally, to my only son, Chauncey, I bequeath my direct TV and its vast collection of 6,000 shows and movies. Direct TV now gives you instant access to 6,000 shows and movies at no extra charge. All right, so maybe that's what you think about. Now, I've got DirecTV, and for the, first, for the first time ever, I've got NFL Sunday ticket. And I feel like that guy every Sunday afternoon because it is amazing to be able to flip back and forth to all the games. I've never had that power in the palm of my hand. It's been amazing. Um, and as a Redskin fan, it's been great watching RG3 carve up these defenses every week and uh, looking forward to it Sunday against the Falcons. So it should be fun. Make sure you tune in. Just kidding, just kidding. But maybe that's kind of what we think about, all right? And that's kind of the picture. We think about, you know, this room sitting around, and it's kind of, all right, here, you get this, and you get this, and this is what you're, you receive, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we think about. Now, as great as DirecTV may be, or NFL Sunday Ticket, um, obviously, the inheritance that we're talking about here is nothing like that, all right? As great as that is, it pales in comparison to what we're actually talking about in this passage and what Paul refers to. So what exactly, when, when Paul says we receive an inheritance from God, what exactly is Paul talking about? If you got your, blank, uh, your uh, notes, here's the next blank. Our inheritance is our future home in heaven. All right, simple enough. Our inheritance is our future home in heaven. Now, in order to receive an inheritance, most of the time someone has to die, right? Um, if you get an inheritance from your grandparent or, you know, something like that, a lot of times it, ha- it gets passed down because of their death, all right? Just like that commercial, God dies, all right, we're redistributing all of his, all of his wealth. Here's what the will says. Here's what you get, all right? And that's a lot of times what happens is that, is that in order for that to take place, someone's got to die. And in terms of our inheritance that we receive from God, death is a part of it. We, we receive the promise of an inheritance because of the death of somebody. And that's the death of Jesus on the cross. All right? Jesus' death on the cross is, is 
a promise or allows our inher- us to receive our inheritance from God. All right, that's what makes our inheritance possible. Now, what's interesting about this is that actually two deaths are required. Not only Jesus' death on the cross, but one day you and I will kick the bucket and we'll pass from this life to the next. We ourselves will die. And not only will there be the promise of an inheritance because of the death of Christ, but we, when we ourselves die, we will receive this inheritance that has been promised to us. All right, you and I can have the hope that one day that this life is not all there is. That one day, however it happens, when we die, we will, if we know Christ, will spend an eternity in heaven with Jesus. And we will receive this inheritance that God in this passage is promising to us as his children. Now, when you think about heaven, most of us have, have thought about heaven. We have, we, we kind of, heaven is kind of like a dream to us. Um, I don't know what your dreams of heaven are like. Uh, I've got my own kind of thoughts about what, it, you know, some things that would be cool about being in heaven. Um, you know, maybe you've got unicorns involved or rainbows or whatever. Maybe you're weird. Um, but maybe a lot of times we, when we think of heaven and we see it a lot in, in our culture, you know, there are books that talk about it. Uh, we see commercials about it. We watch TV shows that talk about heaven. And most of the time it involves people sitting around on clouds and bleached robes uh, playing harps, right? And that's, that's kind of our picture of heaven. And we're like, man, sign me up for that, right? That sounds amazing. Um, as peaceful as that may be, um, you know, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. I'm not a, a harp kind of guy. Um, maybe some of you guys are, and that's cool. Um, but I'm, that's not me, all right? But that's kind of a lot of times what we think about heaven. We have just kind of these general thoughts about, you know, dressed in white and clouds and weird beings. And, you know, and we just think about those kind of things. And we have really no concept about what heaven actually is like. And we just kind of piece things together or whatever. But what is heaven actually like? I mean, what is, what is that going to be like? Because if that's going to be our inheritance, if that's going to be our, that's our future home, then what are we talking about here? What does the Bible actually use, uh, talk about when it comes to heaven? What, how, does, how does the Bible describe heaven? So here's some things that the Bible talks about, all right? There's going to be city and streets of pure gold, all right? Pure gold. I don't think you can take it home or go anywhere with it, but it's pure gold. It's pretty cool. Uh, the walls are jasper, which is like a, a really cool, uh, expensive stone. The walls are two feet thick. Um, not bad. On some of your houses, you guys have walls around your house two feet thick. Um, the walls, now the walls themselves, all right, the walls around heaven itself, the Bible talks about how it is a, it's, it's a square, all right? It is 1,400 miles long. It's 1,400 miles wide. And it's 1,400 miles high. All right, now just kind of think about how big of an area that that is. All right, especially the height. That's insane. Um, the gates are made of pearls. Sounds cool, uh, especially if you're old and you like pearls. Uh, see, there's a, a sea of crystal glass. Um, sounds pretty cool. Now here's, th- that's, those are some descriptions. All right, that's cool, whatever. Here's, here's where it kind of means a little bit more for us. You and I, when we step foot into heaven will be in the presence of God. 
We talk about God. We think about God. We, we sense God's presence. God lives in us if we belong to him. But one day we will be in the very presence of God himself. There is no sun. There's no moon. There's no light that's involved because God's glory itself lights up heaven. We don't need a sun or any of that kind of stuff because of God's glory. Um, it is completely pure and perfect. There's no sin. There's nothing wrong about it. There is beautiful, incredible worship of God. All right? Maybe you can't sing to save your life. So this is your, this is your golden ticket right here because you're going to have an amazing voice. All right? And our, Kyle and the, and the team up here do an amazing job. But as, as great of a job as they do, it pales in comparison to the perfect, amazing worship that we will, we will experience before the presence of God. All right, the Bible talks about how there are incredible rewards for us based on how we live our lives. Uh, there's no more, and this, this should give all of us encouragement. There is no more pain. There is no more death. There's no more depression. There's no more thoughts of suicide. There's nothing that can weigh us down, only complete 100% joy. And here's the thing that I've always failed to get my mind around. It will never end. All right, try thinking about that for just a couple minutes and it will make you sick to your stomach. Because everything that we do has a beginning and an end and yet it is eternal. It will never end. It will go on and on forever. Now, those are just some of the few things that the Bible uses to describe what heaven is like. Here's the reality. You, you and I can piece things together. I've got some thoughts about, man, it'd be cool if I could do this in heaven or if I could fly around or whatever. Um, and we've got those kind of things that we add to the equation. But there are very few things that the Bible talks about or gives us to describe what heaven is like. And the reality is we can never fully comprehend or understand how amazing it may be. As amazing as we think through with our, our minds and, and try to get our head around it, we can never fully grasp how amazing it's going to be. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul says, that is, why the scripture, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That is our hope. That is our inheritance that God gives us. That is a, the blessing that we receive when we belong to Christ. Now let's continue in, in uh, verse 13. Second part of verse 13, Paul says, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So not only does God promise us this incredible inheritance and say, hey, one day you will spend an eternity with me. I'm preparing a place for you. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be unbelievable. You can't get your mind around it. But God goes to the next step and goes, man, I'm going to give you something now as a promise that you will receive what's coming to you. You don't have to just kind of hold up and go, all right, one day, that'll be cool. I'm giving you something now as my child for you to live every single day in your possession that's a promise, a guarantee of what I'm going to give you in the future. All right, he says he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given us as a promise of what he's going to give us in the future. 
Now, let me give you a little bit of an example of, of how that looks. Um, all right, come up here, Jake. Jake Page, ladies and gentlemen. Looks, looks like such a stud with his reckless first impression shirt on. All right. Jake, you're pretty awesome, dude. I mean, we know each other a little bit, right? We've had conversations, yeah. We shake hands. We, we bro-hug each other sometimes. It's pretty cool. There we go. Let's try it. There we go. We're, we're tight. You almost ripped my head set off, but that's cool. Um, let's say, and I want, you to, I want you to answer this honestly, all right? Let's say I came up to you and I'm like, dude, man, you know, we're bros. We're cool. Um, at the end of the night, I care about you. Um, and so at the end of the night, come back to me, and I'm going to give you $10,000, all right? I'm going to give you $10,000. So all you've got to do is just kind of wait on a little bit, you know, let the service finish up, go to groups, and then after groups are done, come back, find me, and I've got $10,000 to give you, all right? Sounds pretty cool, right? Do you believe me? Dude, I thought we were tight, man. What's going on? Okay. Um, that's what I preach about him, even though you're full of crap. <laughs> very, very nice, because he wants to show respect to me, and I appreciate that. Um, that would be a great thing, all right? But Jake, and probably most, if not all of you, would go, ah, oh, that's cool, I'll believe it when I see it, right? Todd, you know, you seem like an honest guy, you're a high school pastor, you're on staff at a church, so you should not be lying to us. Um, but that seems a little bit too good to be true, Right? Seems a little bit too good to be true. Now, what if I said, all right, just to show you that I'm serious about what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you $100. All right, 100 bucks. So there you go. And I want you to sit down and take that. And that, that right there is a promise that when you come back at the end of the night, I will give you the money that I promised you. All right? Now, do you believe me? It would be a lot easier to believe you. Because I just, I just gave you $100. All right, now you can sit down and keep that. You can sit down and keep it. I'm just kidding, give me that. <laughs> sit down. You, you, you all of a sudden liked me a whole lot more, didn't you? And Angie's over in the corner going, I will kill him if he gives him $100. Um, now, here's the reality. Me giving him $100... The, the $10,000 promise at the end of the night sounds great, and most of you guys would jump at that opportunity, but you, like Jake, doesn't believe that I'm, that I'm telling the truth. All right, that seems a little bit too good to be true. But if I give you $100 to say, hey man, why would I get, if I was lying to you, why would I give you $100 and then not give you what I promised you? So I give you 100 bucks, and that's a promise to you a deposit, a guarantee that if you come back to me at the end of the night, I'll give you all of the money that I promised. Now, I wish I had $10,000 to give you. I wish I had $100 to give you. But, and please don't beat me up at the end. Because it is. It is. And you guys know, know it is too now. So I'm, I'm a little bit scared. And I don't know what pocket I just put it in. Back pocket. Okay. I put it in the front. Because I know some of you guys. Um, here's the same is true. Listen, listen, don't miss this. All right. We look at heaven and we think as we start to understand a little bit more, we go, man, that sounds cool, all right? 
And it's not the harps and the bleached clothes and all that kind of stuff. It's understanding a little bit more about how amazing of a picture it would be to be in the presence of God, to experience no more pain, no more hurt, no more sin, to start living that way and experience that kind of life for all eternity. And we look at that and we go, man, that sounds great, but ugh. And God goes, look, as a promise, as a guarantee that I'm telling the truth, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. God now is going to live inside of you when you give your heart to me. And he is now going to live through in you and through you. And that is a promise, a deposit, a guarantee that one day you will spend an eternity with me. See, that thought, understanding that as the Holy Spirit lives and moves in us, that should give us hope that one day we will stand face to face with God himself. That should give us the hope and the strength and the encouragement we need to continue to press on for the prize that God has called us to. That should encourage all of us in the room to know that this life is not all there is. That should give all of us in the room the encouragement to know that one day there will be no more hurt, there will be no more pain, that one day we will experience the perfect life because we will be in the presence of God. And every single day as the Holy Spirit lives in us, it is in part to remind us one day you will be with me forever. This is my promise. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and that's a guarantee that you will spend forever with me. That is a guarantee of your inheritance that is coming to you. Now, how incredible is it that we get that? And that thought that the Holy Spirit lives in us, and now he gives us the strength to live the way that he wants us to live, that we no longer have to do it on our own, but God lives in us, and he gives us the things that we need to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. And as incredible and life-changing as that is, the reality is, is that's just a taste of what's to come. Just like that $100, as incredible as it would be to walk out of the room with that, that's just a taste of getting a, a larger sum of money. And as incredible as that is, that should, that should blow us away even more to know that, that the Holy Spirit lives in us but that pales in comparison to one day we will be in the presence of God. And if we will just hold on, if we will just continue to push through, if we will continue to trust God and know that God's mysterious plan is his perfect plan, that even though we experience pain and we experience heartache, that even though those things exist now, that one day all of them will be gone. One day, you and I will no longer experience sin. Right? The Holy Spirit, every single day, is making us more and more like Christ. And yet, that process is only part of it. And in reality, that doesn't truly come to completion until we pass into this life, from this life into the next, and we stand before God perfect. We will be perfect, for we will see him as he is. We will be like Jesus. We will be perfect, 
Now, it doesn't mean that we will be gods or we will be God himself. But that means that we will stand before God and we will be perfect and holy and there will be not a trace of sin in us. That as we talked about the first week that we are now, right now, we are saints who still have the capacity to sin. But one day we will be saints who have no capacity to sin. That one day you and I will stand before God and we will be completely perfect and we will be holy like him and sin will be non-existent. That's the inheritance that we have. That's the promise that we have. And God gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit to guarantee that that will happen. Here's the main point for us tonight. I want you guys to write this down. We are blessed with the Holy Spirit in the present as a guarantee of heaven in the future. We are blessed with the Holy Spirit in the present as a guarantee of heaven in the future. So the inheritance is a one-day thing, and that's something we put our hope in, and we trust that that will happen. But we also in the presence have that understanding that the Holy Spirit lives in us now. And he leads us and guides us, but it's also a guarantee that we will receive the inheritance that God has promised us. Now, here's, here's the, the thing about this. Those, those who don't belong to Christ don't share this blessing. Those who walk down the halls of your school with no hope, or who maybe some of you are in this room tonight, that inheritance does not belong to you. That inheritance is given to those of us who have received the forgiveness that Jesus offers through the cross. That inheritance is only for those of us that have placed our faith and our trust in Christ and received the forgiveness that God offers us. Now, it is offered to everybody. It is offered to anyone in the world. And that's the challenge for us is to take that message into our schools and for all of you guys in the room to understand that that is offered to you. But until we give our hearts and our lives to Christ, we don't receive that inheritance and that blessing. Maybe you guys are in the room tonight and you have never taken that step of faith. Maybe, maybe you have never, for whatever reason, have never placed your faith and your trust and made a decision to follow Jesus. Tonight could be the night that changes everything for you. In this life and in the one to come. Why did God do all this? Verse 14, as he finishes up. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. When we understand that that is a blessing that we have, we go, man, God, I don't deserve that. My God, I, am, I, am, I make mistakes. I fall short. God, I don't deserve this, and yet you give that to me. Man, God, much praise and glory to you. God, how can I live in such a way where I can respond and bring you glory because of it? That's why God did it. How does that impact you right now, tonight? Maybe you, when I mentioned at the beginning, have those questions of going, man, if a God of love, then why pain? Why hurt? Why, why sin? Why is there so much brokenness? And maybe that has caused you or kept you from taking the step of faith and giving your heart and your life to Jesus. Tonight, all of us have the opportunity to live in that hope that Jesus offers us. 
it is not just for a select few. It's not just for those of us that do something or do enough or whatever to kind of earn it. It is freely offered to us. But only when we receive the forgiveness and place our trust in Christ and make a decision to follow him. We have an incredible inheritance. One day, you guys are experiencing pain in your life. You guys are going through hard times. You guys are experiencing brokenness in your family. You're, you're frustrated by your sin or you're frustrated by things that are going on or you just look at the world and you go, man, this just sucks. It's just so messed up. We have the hope that God offers us that his mysterious plan is taking place. And part of that plan is him sending his son as a, as a payment, as the punishment for our sins so that you and I could receive forgiveness. And one day, one day we will receive this inheritance that's been promised to us. And the Holy Spirit that lives in us and when there's pain that we experience groans in us because he doesn't like that either. Says, man, hold on, don't give up. One day you will experience the complete freedom and eradication from sin and pain. One day all of that stuff will be gone. That is part of my plan. That is part of my plan. But don't lose hope. Because you have an incredible inheritance coming to you. And you have the Holy Spirit as a deposit promising that that's coming coming to fruition. And you talk about a blessed life. That's an incredible blessed life that you and I have an opportunity to be part of. Let's pray. God, I pray tonight. God, first of all, we, we got to stop and say thank you. God, we don't deserve it. God, I know sometimes we we maybe in, in our own human wisdom get a little arrogant and, and prideful and think that we know, we know best, that we, we have the best plan. Or maybe the, the, as we analyze the situation, as we look at the world, maybe we can't figure things out. But God, all of us have to stop and acknowledge the fact that you, you are the creator. And even though you hate sin and you hate pain and God... You hurt alongside us when we experience those things. You look at the world and you were broken for the world. And rather than you do nothing, you did something unbelievable. And you sent your son to die so that we could, when we place our trust in you, could, could experience the freedom and the forgiveness of sin. And as part of that, part of your incredible plan is that one day as we trust you, as we hold on, as we live with hope and the, and the Holy Spirit that's in us, one day we will experience an incredible life that is free from sin, free from pain, free from hurt. God, I pray for students in the room that have never pl- taken that step, have never placed their faith and trust in you. God, I pray tonight would be the night. God, I pray tonight would be the night that changes it all. Where they receive the forgiveness that you offer for the very first time. And receive the forgiveness that you offer. God, help us to hold on. God, I know that we're hurting. God, all of us to a certain extent are experiencing pain in our life. God, we're frustrated. God, I pray that you would help us to take these words to heart and trust you. And know that part of your plan is going to bring this to an end. Give us the strength that we need. 
to endure and to, and to continue with hope, knowing that one day we will experience an incredible life for all eternity. We pray in your name. Amen.